future is now, and it looks very, very good. I think it's, uh, it's it was always going to happen. One of the points of the year, incredible from both of these men. I think it's good for the game to have fresh faces in there. There's been, you know, some brilliant matches the, the last few weeks um, in Miami and Indian Wells with some of the, the younger guys. And yeah, I think it's positive for tennis fans and all of the, the tournament. We still had, you know, amazing crowds and great turnouts, um, which is really positive um, for the sport moving forward. I do like 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 the statistics, you know, because uh, I know all the guys uh, since uh, since we were either juniors or for sure like Yannick and uh, Carlos. They I didn't know them in juniors; they were a little bit young, but we know each other since long time on the tour. And I think it's great, you know, that we have a lot of uh, new generation players, uh, and I think it's great uh, for tennis. Well, I think the game was headed towards this already a long time and I guess this is now the time that it has made this big uh, statement on the ATP rankings um, and I think we're, we just have to get used to it because this is normal right now and that's where the game is headed, it's headed towards, towards us, the youngsters. I'm almost 25 so I would consider myself somewhere in, in between <laughs> but very young uh, in my soul and heart. The new generation is uh, is coming for sure. Um, everyone has different styles, uh, mentalities, um, game styles. So it is it is something something new for sure. Um, happy to be part of this. Um, hopefully, um, I can I can show some some good tennis and um, yeah. Let's see let's see how it goes. I think it's great. I mean, we're getting a lot of new young faces up, up in the ranking and I think it's interesting, of course, because I'm one of them, but, but you know, we have obviously Novak and if Rafael was playing, he would you know, probably be there. Um, so it's, uh, it's for sure interesting and more open, I would say now, than, than it was back in the days. But uh, again, everybody is, is playing amazingly. You have to be sharp all the time to, to be there and, and not just to be there, but try to move up. Rolex Monte Carlo Masters finalists Holger Rune there and before him, Andy Murray, Daniel Medvedev, Stefanos Tsitsipas and Yannick Sinner on the arrival of the new generation and the youngest top 10 for a decade. Hello and welcome to another ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier and this week has once again been all about fresh faces and new beginnings, with Andrei Rublev beating Holger Rune to win his first ever Masters 1000 title. Andrei, many congratulations. At the third time of asking, you are a Masters 1000 champion, and you've done it here at the historic Monte Carlo Masters. Talk us through your emotions right now. I can see it means a lot. I don't know. I have tears, man. <laughs> I don't know what to say. To be honest, I don't know. I'm just happy, finally struggling so much to win this 1000 tournament, and finally, I don't know, losing 4-1, love 30, saving breakpoints, thinking that it's no chance to win, and somehow I did it. And I don't know, man. Yeah, talk us through the flow of the match. As you say, you had to come back from behind twice, set two again in set three. How did you dig so deep each time? I don't know. I don't know. I was hoping. I was deep inside hoping like at least maybe I will have one chance maybe at least try to to play till the end at least 
once for the first, like, because I remember the previous finals, I, mentally I was not ready. And when I was losing, I was thinking no chance to win anymore. And I was going mentally completely down. And today I was at least, okay, if you're, if you're going to lose today, at least please believe till the end. And that's what I was trying to do in the third set, like hoping that maybe I will have one extra chance to come back or something. And in the end, I was, I was able to do it. And what a way to start the clay court swing. Must give you so much confidence for and hungry for more success over the next month or two. I don't know what I want to have massage and rest, man. I don't want to think about tennis now. <laughs> so a first Masters title for Andre Rublev and a second Masters 1000 final for Runa, who told Paul King that he's starting to feel more accustomed to life at the top. People are starting to expect more and more, but, you know, most of all, I have, you know, high ambitions within myself and, you know, I follow them more um, and I think that's the most important thing. But, but for sure, you know, you just got to, you know, try to improve as much as you can every day because if you think about winning or losing too much, it's going to distract your mindset and, and, you know, maybe put your, you know, improvements a little bit on pause instead of just going forward. I guess things have happened so quickly for you and such a high level that it's almost become normal straight away. Is that, is that a factor too? Um, I wouldn't say it's normal. I mean, if you ask me, I feel it's going slow, but in, on the paper, it's going very fast. I'm, I'm still only 19 and, and, you know, one of my biggest titles in Paris was great, but still I look forward now. You know, I can, can only use the parts for, from experience and memory, so I got to, you know, look forward and, and see what I can improve and, and do better. Just talk about your background in Denmark. How much experience did you have on this surface as a junior? A lot of experience. Um, I played on clay so much during my junior career and actually I always enjoyed it. You know, I, I won uh, junior Roland Garros on clay and I, I won my first future title there. So it's always been, you know, kind of a breakthrough surface for me. Um, enjoyed it a lot. I think the whole game changed a little bit on clay. You have to build up the points and it's, it's, it's longer points. You know, you, if you have weapons, you cannot just hit a big shot and expect to win it on that one. You have to build. It's very physical as well, and you move different. You have to move more in like V's, I call it, you know, more back and forward because the ball doesn't bounce, bounce the same every time. Um, so you have to be ready to adjust and uh, you have to be ready to, to mix the game up because, as I said, the bounce is, is different. So you can, you can actually be more creative, and it's very effective to be creative on the surface. Another young player you sense is on the verge of a major breakthrough is Yannick Sinner, semi-finalist in Monte Carlo and Indian Wells and a finalist in Miami and Rotterdam, both of which he lost to an inspired Daniel Medvedev. The 21-year-old Italian knows that he's now not that far away from putting the final jigsaw pieces into place. I think I've learned many things also for for the next meeting against Daniel, trying to find a solution, hopefully. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's all maybe part of the process. What I am, what I'm, what I'm doing, and you know, uh, as I said, I'm just trying to stay in the present moment. So let's see how how it goes. What do you think specifically has been working so well for you to get you in the zone? Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, we have worked so so good also in the off season. Um, also on the tournaments, we tried to work uh, also in the gym and then you know the physical part, which gives me a lot of confidence now. I feel like much much stronger. Um, also tennis wise, uh, trying trying to add always something new. I felt like uh, in my in Miami, I was playing better than in in the Wells, which is always one goal of us trying to to improve and to increase the 
um, the practice sessions and you know um, so let's see how it goes here on the clay season. Yeah you mentioned this before you're trying to mix up the game a little bit more is maybe coming out to the clay somewhere where you can maybe experiment and try new things a little bit? Yeah for sure um, you know uh, the rallies usually are a little bit longer it depends obviously on what kind of clay courts we play um, if we if we play in Madrid there's there's uh, you know, with altitude, the ball is a little bit faster. If if you play in Barcelona, for example, it's a little, a little bit slower. So it it depends, you know. But uh, usually, the things are. Um, I just try to change up the game a little bit. So let's see how how I do this year. Explain for us in a little bit more detail just why it's so different. Sort of, I guess it's physically and tactically as well. Isn't it? Yeah, for sure, uh, it is much more physically. Um, you you have to use a little bit more of your body strength um, to let the ball uh, especially bounce because you have to play a little bit more with the with the rotation um, tactically also for sure uh, it depends obviously against what kind of player you play against and um, yeah also mentally you have to be strong you have to you have to fight for every ball um, you have to be ready yes as i said physically um, because most likely you can recover balls what what you usually you cannot do in uh, on hard court so yeah it's uh, it's going to be uh, interesting it's the lowest average age in the in the top 10 uh, for about a decade for 10 years obviously i guess with rafa just dipping out there what do you think though that says about the tour in general you know i feel like the the new generation is uh, is coming slowly for sure um everyone has different styles uh, mentalities um game styles so it is it is something something new for sure um happy to be part of this um hopefully um, I can I can show some some good tennis and um, yeah let's see let's see how it goes. Yannick Sinner there and he was not the only young Italian making a big impression on the clay of Monte Carlo. Lorenzo Musetti claimed the biggest victory of his young career when he beat world number one Novak Djokovic in three sets and our man Paul King was right there to capture all of the emotion after match point. I'm uh, struggling to don't cry because it's uh, really an emotional win because uh, it was a really long match, three hours of match, uh, suspended with the rain, so it was for sure not easy conditions since the beginning because it was a little bit windy, cold, so not the not like we used to play in the uh, in the last days. So I think it, it counts maybe twice. So I'm really, really, really proud of uh, of myself. I I can see the on the screen, and uh, I'm uh, I'm I told you I'm, I'm struggling to to cry because I because I think it's uh, it's still a dream for me. Yeah, you're right. It was a really crazy match. 15 breaks of serve through the whole contest. Was that purely down to the conditions? Uh, I think uh, I, I couldn't find the, the right uh, the right balance, uh, especially with the toss at the, at the beginning. And I think it was uh, for both of us. And we were returning better than we were serving. Uh, but the, the rallies at the end, they were really intense. They were really uh, long and was uh, really a, a tough battle, even for the physical part and mental part. And uh, beating one as... Uh, Novak, it's uh, something uh, really remarkable for me. Lorenzo Musetti closing in on the top 10, but for the man he beat, Novak Djokovic, this defeat was a tough pill to swallow at his first Masters 1000 of the season.
Well, those are the, the biggest events that we have on the ATP Tour. So, of course, uh, you want to play your best at the 1,000 events. And I was fortunate throughout my career to keep the consistency of good results and good performances in these events. Uh, of course, I pride myself with uh, the amount of tournaments at the 1,000 uh, category level that I won. And, of course, I always try to, try to go further. Strange situation for you watching from afar to lose the number one spot, then regain the number one spot. But how keen are you to get back into action yourself to just prove that you belong in that spot? Well, I, uh, I'm actually, you know, placing my attention on my performances and trying to build my form, you know, uh, coming into Roland Garros. That's, that's the event that I'm, you know, going to try to peak on in terms of uh, the surface. And talking about your own form, what sort of level do you think you're at? Obviously, in that incredible unbeaten run until Dubai, but what sort of level had you been reaching there, do you think? Well, I think that uh, the form uh, that I regained from post the US Open last year, you know, I didn't go to America and then I had time to really, you know, prepare myself well, uh, winning Wimbledon and then coming back in, uh, in, uh, in Tel Aviv uh, indoors and then really not looking back from there. Of course, it's a whole different story on, on, on this surface, you know, uh, but hopefully the results will stay the same. So one big name leaving early, but Monte Carlo never short of stardust. And this year, among the watching crowd, Formula One driver George Russell, and first of all, the world's fastest ever man, Usain Bolt. It's nice. Uh, I love the view. Uh, there's a wonderful weather. Um, Got to see a game, so it was nice. It's good. Yeah, so yeah, they're watching the game. You were part-time ball boy for about ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to be really quick. <laughs> do you enjoy to watch the match? You, you're a tennis fan. Do you play yourself? I, I, I do watch. I, I can't play. I've tried. I'm very good at serving, but that's it. Um, but I do enjoy watching a few games. I try to catch the games when I can. In general, I suppose you. Enjoyed a part of your life where you can travel around a bit more, see different places. What do you think of the whole Monte Carlo experience? It's not bad, is it? For me, yeah. I've, I've been to Monte Carlo a few times uh, for tracks, so I've, I've been here a few times. Uh, it's a wonderful place, very nice, uh, wonderful people. So for me, I always enjoy coming here. And as I said, it's the first time to watch tennis, so I've never seen this magnificent view, so I'm happy to be here. George, uh, here at the Rolex Monte Carlo Masters, uh, are you a big tennis fan? Yeah, I've been a few times at Wimbledon, always enjoy watching the big ones, my first time in Monte Carlo, so looking forward to it. And do you play tennis yourself? I don't, to be honest. I do play paddle, and I'm really getting into, into paddle, so um, my tennis skills are, are fantastic. I used to play a little bit with a couple of friends, but paddle is more, more my game. Which, uh, which players do you follow the most? I think Roger was always the one who I, I followed the most. Um, he came to Barcelona Grand Prix last year and he's always given us so much time, went to the, the Labour Cup as well. Um, with my girlfriend, my sister, my brother-in-law and Roger took you know, incredible care of, it, care of us even though it was his, his, last, uh, his last tournament obviously. But yeah, excited to see probably Djokovic play this afternoon. And, I don't think I've seen Djokovic play before, so excited to, to see him in action. And lastly, uh, Monaco is obviously a big uh, place in F1 and tennis. What sort of place is it? It's a special place in both sports, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's so iconic. Um, 
it's pretty surreal as well, especially as I said, my first time here at the at the country club and seeing seeing, seeing the tennis, uh, obviously the Grand Prix. It, it feels surreal when you see you know this little tiny uh, place and the cars rushing around, and obviously now with the tennis here, how it's all sort of packed into to such a small small place. But uh, it's very iconic and uh, happy to be here. Wonderful to hear from two of sports' biggest names. And next, we have a reigning Wimbledon champion, one of the biggest names in men's doubles, who's been talking with Richard Connolly. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. Well, there are worse places to be. Here we are looking out over the Mediterranean Sea at the Rolex Monte Carlo Masters. And I'm with Matt Ebden, um, one of the top doubles players on form right now in the world. It hasn't worked out for you this week, Matt, but you and Rohan Bopana have had quite the year. Thanks, yeah. Um, yeah, first of all, great to be in Monte Carlo. Uh, what a tournament to play in. I mean, it's so exciting actually to see all our masters tournaments grow and grow and grow some are obviously going to two weeks now and becoming like you know huge huge features on the on the calendar that all the fans can follow so you know that's i suppose the atp is trying to grow them almost towards you know in line with the slam so we've got the slams and all the masters and all our big tournaments to follow all year round not you know not just the slam so yeah firstly great to be here in monte carlo um yeah with bops we've you know we started the year in january had a couple of, a couple of losses starting up, but uh, some tough draws too, and probably weren't as sharp as we needed to be. But you know, we took it on the chin. Uh, went back to work. I went went home for three weeks after that. Worked on my my game, my serve particularly. Bob's went back, worked on his returns and his movement, and and uh, you know we came together, figuring out how we needed to play best to be most effective. We got to Rotterdam, and uh, I remember I think our second practice there, we both sort of started to really play well at the same time. And we started to really light it up and just start winning sets against everybody a lot and uh, playing really, really well. So carried that through Rotterdam. We went to the final there. We had match point. Unfortunately, lost 12-10. Won Doha. Lost a Super in Dubai, but then won Indian Wells. Lost a Super in Miami and got through around here, obviously, which is you know good to get the first win on the clay. And obviously lost yesterday. There was a few points either way, but you know other guys are good teams as well. So that's the... Uh, that's the margins at the top, top level. And uh, yeah, we're excited to be part of it and in the hunt. And that's, that's the goal for us to you know, win the biggest tournaments. You glossed over it pretty quickly, but you won Indian Wells. <laughs> that's quite a thing. It is, it is. And uh, I suppose for me, especially in this you know, sort of transitioning to doubles journey this last year, year and a half, it's uh, you know, my goal. You know, obviously I've reached the top 40 in singles, played singles for I think about 17 years. And then this last year, year and a half transitioning to doubles, I always sort of thought I would probably have another little sub doubles career at the end of my singles career and it's probably already happened pretty quickly. So yeah, the goal has been to win slams, masters, 500s, get to number one if we can and and uh, on that path. So yeah, I'm extremely fortunate and really grateful that it's happened pretty quick. You know, obviously um, final Australian Open last year, win Wimbledon, won, won a bunch of other titles, won the masters in Indian Wells. So, Things are all happening pretty quick, which gives you a lot of confidence, of course. But then, obviously, you lose again the next week, take it on the chin, and you know you've got to get better. So the margins are so, so fine. So it's, it's about consistently being really, really, really good, which is the, is the trick. You know, a lot of guys can be good on the day or some weeks, but to be really, really good every week, all year, that's the key. 
how much of an ambition is it to play at the ATP finals? Because it was a real anomaly last year that you got to the Aussie Open final, won Wimbledon, and ended up reserves and, and didn't quite get a chance to compete. You and Rohan Bapan are already, as we speak, number three on the race. Yeah. I mean, of, of the things that's left out there to do, it must yeah. be one. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I think that's probably a bit of a side thing for me. I mean, it, it's... I think you inspired in tennis. You, for me, the big things were the Grand Slams, Davis Cup, yeah. um, ATP, play the Tour. All, you know, all yeah. those things were, were, were the big ones for me. And then, of course, once you become, you start to see, oh, there's a, there's a race and there's a finals. And yeah, last year, that was definitely in the back of our mind from Australian Open. And then, yeah, winning Wimbledon, we actually got the exemption wildcard into the Tour Finals. But so did Kyrgios and Kokonakis because yeah. they won Australian Open. And they got the points from that, so they ended up ahead of us on the points tally, which meant they got the wild card in, and we didn't. But we got to be there as a, the first alternate, and uh, I mean, you get taken care of, you get basically treated as if you're in the tournament financially too, and uh, ready to play and be part of the whole experience. So it was great to be there and, and be included in it and be part of it. Okay, we didn't step on the court for the actual match, uh, hopefully this year. Um, but yeah, that's that's always the goal we set about with with Bops. That's you know we want to be a top team and get there at the end. Give us an idea what it's like now traveling on tour. You obviously relish the travel from what you've said to some degree. Yeah. But now you've got young family. How how are you managing that transition? How are, how is that? How is your work life balance effectively? Yeah, it's it's super tough. It's it's the hardest thing about tennis life. Uh, you know, people should know more about this. Like, it's incredibly incredibly tough, especially if you're not from Europe or the US where you yeah. can play a large part of the year in and around home or within a few hours flight even from your home being Australian or South American or South African even uh, Kiwi you know very very tough um, geographically for us big disadvantage um, nowadays yeah I mean it, it's hard especially with a family and a baby I mean I had to leave them behind in February and March I mean, leaving my little boy at home, oh, it's killer. Like, it's the worst feeling ever. I hate it, absolutely hate it. And yeah, every day I'm away, oh, I hate it. I have like feel sick in my stomach and I feel almost depressed every day. Like, even at Indian Wells, I was, I was sad for two weeks, like, missing him. But we somehow got through and won the tournament. Won the tournament, still didn't feel good. I was like, oh, great, we won the tournament. I woke up the next morning without my little baby boy and I still didn't really care. Um, so, yeah, family, little boy is super important to me. It's, it's everything. And um, now they're able to join in Europe for a few months. So we're trying to find that balance, you yeah. said, which is so important. And, I, and probably that's something I could have tried to get better my whole career, but it's so hard logistically. How does it work with your, your wife's work? Because is she a lawyer? Is that right? She is a lawyer. But uh, after a few years working as a lawyer, she gave up her job to travel with me and basically well, work with me as a part-time manager, physio, yeah. wife, travel, everything. Yeah. And now obviously she's a full-time wife and mother. So no, she doesn't, she doesn't work as a lawyer, but uh, she still helps you know, me and us and our family business and company, I guess, manage everything. But obviously with the baby, she's pretty tied up as well. So she does an amazing job. Uh, even when she's here, I was, don't even worry about coming to watch my matches. Just, you know, she's got enough going on. She, keeping his sleep schedule and eating schedule and if she can come by you know have a look at a match here or there that's great but I just love having them around because yeah being Australian we have to take our life on the road there's no other way I mean I've been now I'm now 35 and since I was left high school so 17 years old I've been traveling on average 35 to 40 weeks a year for 
that makes it 17, 18 years. Uh, you know, you, you will die and have no life if you don't if you don't take your life on the road. And so uh, we we try to do that. It's incredibly challenging, but we still almost think, well, okay, 35. So even if I played another five, seven years, or three, or eight, whatever it is, sooner or later it will stop. Um, so we do try to keep one eye on that with that balance and you know make the most of it while it lasts and while we can. When you do stop, and I'm, I'm not, this is not yeah, angling for yeah, an yeah, end, yeah. but will you be able to stop, do you think, or will the feet <laughs> keep itching to travel? It's hard. I, I've spoken to a lot of guys who've been in similar positions, um, guys much older who've retired, Pat Rafter, guys who've mentored, mentored me, Todd Woodbridge, even Leighton, and um, Phil Pousis even, and said, oh, it must be nice when you retire, you can just stay at home. Yeah. And, and they're like, yeah, but we still, we just, we just travel. Like, we always travel. We're just, it's just in your blood. And a lot of the tour physios have said this, like, you're never going to not travel. It's like, it's just in your blood. You're just used to being on planes, traveling. Have being you around. had that conversation with your wife, though? I mean, because that's, that's a thing, isn't it? A little. It? I mean, we love home. Look, we live in Perth in, in Western Australia. We have a beautiful lifestyle. We're very fortunate where we live, our country, our climate even. Uh, we love being at home, our family and friends. But, look, I, I want to be in tennis and business. It's my whole life, so... I'm sure they're going to intertwine and now being in well last eight club and former champion of Wimbledon I want to be there playing for the rest of my life hopefully in the legends or the something or all that you know fun jazz uh, later in life but uh, we'll see for now uh, got to make the most of of this while it lasts sure and when you do go back and see your name on the honors board and all the rest of it to realize that you're part of history that will be very, very special. I'm, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you, you so much for speaking to us on the ATP podcast. Thank you, mate. Matt Ebden. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Great to hear from Australian double star and reigning Wimbledon champion Matt Ebden there with Richard Connolly at the Rolex Monte Carlo Masters this week. And while we're on doubles, a quick word on a dream run to the final this week for the wildcard pairing of Monaco's own Romain Arnaudo and his partner Sam Weisborn, whose fairy tale run eventually came to an end against Ivan Dodi and Austin Krychek. Congratulations to them on taking the title. Finally, this week, as we look forward to the remainder of the European clay court swing, we have one of the finest players out there on the dirt, Norway's Kasper Rude. The world number three claimed his first title of the year in Estoril last week. Well, an early exit in Monaco was another slightly disappointing dip in what's been a stop-start season so far. It's frustrating, but at the same time, I sort of, not going to say that I predicted that it was going to happen, but I think I've been pretty, you know, honest with myself and realizing that, you know, it's your whole career is not going to be, you know, a joyful ride. There will be some downs and hopefully more ups than downs, but for sure the downs will come and I haven't really experienced a very, very big down period in my career or my in my tennis life ever and not going to say that the last month has been that, but it has not been as what I wanted and what you want to, to try to achieve, but uh, hopefully I can sort of try to shake that off and uh, we are here on a new surface. It's sort of like a new beginning in a way, you can think that way and uh, it's a very fun part of the season to me especially you know being from Europe playing all this um, European clay court tournaments close to my home it's it's great and in the beginning of the year it's a lot of long travels and if you don't do well and when you're traveling far it's sort of like oh did I travel all this way to lose this early it can be quite tough for yourself but you know I feel closer to home now and uh, you know there are so many great tournaments here in Europe so um, 
it's it's a very exciting time of the year and hopefully things can sort of the tide can turn maybe a little bit for me this this year and that I can start to do some hopefully really good results this this spring. Yeah, historically it has always been your, your strongest surface, of course, but, but just explain for us how, how sort of tricky it is, or, or is it easy for you to make this adjustment? Yeah, I mean, it takes some days to get, get used to and practice and get sort of comfortable moving around on the clay. It's, um, you know, typically I, I do take the trip down to South America in February. I didn't do that this year, so it's been like eight, nine months since I played on clay last time when I, when I got to Estrella last week. But felt pretty natural already from the beginning and uh, that was I was happy about that and of course a bit rusty here and there but um, you know the adjustments I think that I'm my generation I'm probably one of of the guys who has played more on clay than anyone else um, and I think that could be an advantage obviously I really enjoy playing on clay I find many guys are not maybe too interested in you know getting their socks or hands dirty on the clay and really grinding it out but I'm in for it I mean I think that's you need to have a positive mindset on this surface otherwise it can be very tough for you and uh, I always try to keep a positive mindset you know anywhere I go but particularly on clay is some a place where I sort of feel like um, I don't know at home and comfortable in a way. Can you just explain for us why sort of physically as well as tactically it is such a different game at this Yeah, I mean the, the ball travels obviously a bit slower through the, the air and then because it's you know the ball gets clay on it obviously and um, when it when it bounces it doesn't skid off the ground as it does more on hard court. So you have more time and that makes you know you know when the, when the game is as physical as it is now you you see many many of the players they they get to more balls than they would do on hard court because you get a little bit extra a couple of splits of a seconds extra to react and get to certain balls and um, that makes it you know sort of tougher to hit winners and you can defend more and you can sort of get more ba balls back in play and obviously the winners aren't doesn't come as easy the aces doesn't come as easy on maybe hard court so that's different and that sort of takes some adjustments to get used to because like I said I've been playing hard court for eight months so my mindset is very like you know try to play as aggressive as you can and sometimes you will hit some winners on hard court that won't be winners on clay so to sort of get those balls back in the beginning of a clay season can be like frustrating because you think oh what's going on here you know last week that was a winner but here on clay it's not a winner anymore so that's uh, sort of the biggest difference I think at least that's what I feel and obviously the ball you have some wrong bounces if you play with a lot of top spin and you play with good depth there's a very high chance that the ball will bounce wrong because we step with our feet inside the, the baseline here and there so there are many many factors at play in, but those are a couple that I find the most different from you know hard court and clay. Casper Ruud speaking there with Paul King, and he is certainly likely to come good on his favourite surface. Starting at the Barcelona Open Bank Sabadell this week, where a certain Senor Carlos Alcaraz starts as the defending champion on home soil. Remember, you can watch all of the action on Tennis TV. You can get all the latest scores, draws, orders of play, and the Pepperstone ATP rankings on the ATP WTA Live app, and also all of that on the official website, along with the latest news at atptour.com. I'm Seb Lozier. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the tennis.